0: Print maps from your hunt areas. Download it today at the Apple App Store or Google Play. Hunt Stand. Upgrade your arsenal. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today we are going to talk about the gear that I used um, throughout my archery season here in Iowa and South Dakota and some of the products that um, I I used and that I really like. Some of these are actual uh, companies and brands that pay me to use their products. Others uh, are not. But I'll tell you this, almost all of the companies I talk about, whether they're a partner with me or not, I have been using before um, I I had any type of partner. So take everything I say with a grain of salt and let me emphasize that a majority of people, no matter what I say, you shouldn't be influenced by what other people say. You should go and do your research and you should find the products that work best for you. And um, all of these products in my daily routine or seasonal routine, I love these products. They work the way that I work. They match my style. And, uh, man, this is going to be not a, not a huge, deep, uh, detailed episode. I'm going to get kind of right into it. I'm going to explain how I use them in my strategy, in my routine, and then we'll just kind of end it. So, um, before we get into today's episode we have three partners that i really want everybody to go check out um uh, one of them is the average conservationist the conservationist.com they are a, a lifestyle brand and apparel company they are two percent for uh conservation certified business they have a podcast here on the sportsman's nation podcast network and uh uh, I really think you should go to TheAverageConservations.com. Check out their all their awesome t-shirts, hoodie. I'm wearing the camo hoodie right now. It's badass. I have the, the Average Conservation General hat uh, right next to me. I love the logo, love the style of that. Uh, so go check out uh, their, uh, uh, their, their hats, their hoodies, their t-shirts, really cool logos. Um, and the, the thing that makes me excited to work with them is right off the top, of any revenue that they make they are donating 10 percent of their income to some form of conservation effort so that's pretty big and uh i think that's uh you know i like working with brands who put the natural resource first and uh, the average conservationist does that uh next lone wolf tree stands man you're going to hear me talk about them today so all I'm going to say, oh, hang on, let me back up. Average Conservationist, go check out their uh, their web their website, theaverageconservationist.com, and enter the discount code NFC10, NFC10, for 10% off of your purchase. Uh, really cool. Next, you're going to hear me talk about lone wolf tree stands, how I use them. Discount code 9FC21, 9FC21. And uh, that's going to give you fifty dollars off of any purchase over two hundred dollars. So that's that can be like eighteen to twenty five percent, depending on what products you buy. And then lastly, hunt stand. Uh, I'm also going to talk about hunt stand, how I used it today, uh, throughout the season, and uh, um, how it is almost like I don't know what I would do without it type of scenario so go check out huntstand.com and uh enter the discount code sn20 sn20 for 20 percent off of your purchase now that's the products let me take a sip of my fufu drink right here let me tell you what i'm drinking right now i'm drinking a white chocolate latte with oat milk half syrup i i decided you know I decided I wanted to not put the whipped cream in it because that would probably take it too far. But this is just foo foo enough for a real man like myself <laughs> to, uh, to drink it. So I don't know, it, it's, uh, it's really good. So I was sitting in my, I was having a conversation with a guy and we were talking about the strategy that I used to, uh, to be successful, not only in South Dakota this year, but in Iowa as well. And I was talking to a guy, he's like, oh, what kind of mobile tree stand do you use? And I'm just like, well, I use a lone wolf, but mobile hunting really isn't a, like, a gear thing. You know, a saddle or a tree stand doesn't, like, a specific thing doesn't make you mobile. It's your mindset, in my opinion, that makes you mobile. Um, But there are products out there that make that mindset easier to accomplish when you're, you know... You don't have to take a ladder stand down and move it up to an, another draw or whatever. So I was thinking about all, all the things that kind of go into the the style, my methodology, my ideology of how I hunt and how I apply that to my hunting strategy. And um, I got a list here of products that, I just, that just really stick out uh, for me. Um, the first one I'm going to mention, just because it's quick, is... Arctic Shield boot covers. Um, This year, one pair of socks, non-insulated boots. Uh, Now, it didn't get crazy cold. Right now, it's snowing in Iowa, but uh, it didn't get crazy cold this, you know, I I tagged out really before the temperatures dropped. The coldest morning I had was like 26 degrees, and I threw those boot covers on, and man, I tell you what, my feet were nice and warm, and didn't have to uh, deal with any coldness. So, that's product number one. And that's a, that's a no brainer. If you are like, I I don't use rubber boots anymore. So, uh, non-insulated hiking boots and boot covers. And I I know it's just another thing to pack in with you. Uh, but the, the outcome of packing in that extra stuff is just something that, you know, I'm going to continue to do until I can find something better now. All right. In my hunting strategy, this is kind of how it's laid out. Locate. Make a move and then adjust if necessary. So, how do I locate? I locate uh, deer in several ways, Um, but a lot of it because I am a father of three, I have a lot of activities with those kids, I have responsibilities at home, and I have a business to run. I am limited to, you know, I'm not the 26 year old version of me who has free reign to go and do whatever he wants whenever he wants i can't i can't do that anymore so i rely a lot on historical data and trail camera uh, data to tell me what's going on in the woods um, as recent as cell cams um, which you know i hunt a lot of river bottom ground and cell cams are awesome and the exodus cameras that i i have work great but Most of them just don't work down in these river bottoms because they're out of cell range. And obviously, if you don't have cell service, you can't have a cell cam. So um, this year, I uh, put out, I want to say I put out five more trail cameras this year than I did last year. And so how do I use these trail cameras? Well, I go out, I set them up uh, you know, throughout the summer over mineral sites. And and for the most part, that's where those cameras stay. Uh, I don't typically move those a lot, but I can't hunt anywhere real around those because, um, there's laws in Iowa that prevent me from hunting near or any trails that lead up to any type of, uh, uh, mineral station so those trail cameras throughout the summer months are just there to get an idea of what deer are in the area you know like i just love checking trail cameras and, and and looking at velvet bucks so because of that then what i do is i will uh, you know just kind of take an inventory of what's there that transfers over into september and then sometime in in september maybe even this year it was even early october i will go to de- uh deploy or move trail cameras into, um, historically good trails, historically good fence crossings, historically good pinch points and, uh, travel corridors. And that allows me to see what deer are in the area and what deer, what areas I should be focusing more of my time on. Um, I have a certain caliber of deer in mind that I want to, Uh, I guess, attack every single year and trail cameras allow me most importantly, you know, like they, they tell me what deer in the area, but the thing that is almost equally, if not more important is what areas you need to kind of just stay out of right? Uh, I don't need to hunt this area because in the past two months in this really good funnel, I haven't caught one deer that I would be interested in shooting. So why go hunt there? Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, that doesn't tell you everything that goes on the woods. You're right. It doesn't. But over a handful of months period of a a trail camera soaking, you would think that uh, all the deer in that area would work by. Maybe not. That's just kind of my methodology towards it. So this year, Ex- the, the Exodus trail cameras really allowed me to um, basically, basically uh, weed out half of the farm and say, well, there's nothing over here I even want to hunt. It left me with half the farm to hunt, the other half of the farm to hunt. And then what I do with that is um, I, I collect data you know, throughout the season. Uh, So from October 10th to when I went and checked it on November 3rd, I believe it was the the afternoon of November 3rd. And then the morning of November 4th, I collected all this trail camera data um, throughout the whole farm. And that's what led me to saying, okay, ignore this part of the uh, farm. I got a five-year-old over here that I'm going to focus on. Um, And not only just half the farm, but then you weed out all of the places where just deer don't hang out. They're not going to hang out with horses in a pasture. They're not going to hang out in the middle of a, um, of a, a picked cornfield during the day. Uh, yes, that's more of a nocturnal spot or a destination. So then I have to try to find those terrain features um, you know, find those terrain features that they work. And I, you know, you, you get that from experience and you get that from uh, hunting a a farm for, uh, however many years. And, uh, so, uh, Exodus is just, you know, my, my Exodus trail cameras are just a really good data collection. Um, uh, part of my, my strategy, it allows me to collect that data. And then it allows me to insert that data into an equation And whatever kind of comes out of that equation, like wind direction, uh, time of year, uh, you know, food source, um, you know, wind direction, all that stuff gets uh, compiled into that, uh, that equation and out comes a tree stand location uh, and an access route. So I have to use that access route to get to that tree stand location. And uh, hopefully that the deer that I've captured in, in this is, uh, you know, in those trail camera pictures is, is in the area. Now, I'm going to jump to another product, which is HuntStand. And again, for me, HuntStand is great because not only is it a, uh, a mapping service, right? You pull up the maps, you, you can zoom in, zoom out. You can look at topo lines. You can look at satellite imagery. You can look at property boundaries. All those things are great. But how I use it, I, I use all those, those, uh, all that functionality. But at the same time, I'm also using it as data collection, So, every time I put a trail camera up, I mark on that trail on that map where that trail camera is. And then I leave a mental note, or I can even, um, I know on Hunt Stand, I can even upload an image into an area or into that map and say, okay, this buck was here at this time. So, what I've done then is I've left a data point on a map. And this is what I did this year. So, you leave a data point on a map. You go to another data point. You draw a line, and then what you do is after however many months or days or weeks or years of collecting data, you have all these data points on a map, and then what I do is I draw lines from every point to every point, point. and now you have this crazy star-looking thing, and within that, in this this uh, geometrical, uh, I don't know what you're looking for shape. Are all these terrain features all this uh topo uh information and you can look at that and you can say okay well he's here he's here he's here let's look at the terrain features within this area and see what uh what the best wind direction would this uh, be for this area what the best access route would be for this area okay the wind shifted now we need a new access route now we need uh, uh, potentially a new stand location so all this, these, these data points help me approach uh, where to put my tree stand location in these terrain features that are on a map. Sometimes that's a bedding area. Sometimes that's a pinch point. Sometimes that's a, a travel corridor. But I don't make that decision like I just don't go and say tonight I'm hunting a bedding area. No, tonight I'm hunting in the spot that is going to allow me the greatest odds of uh, connecting with the deer. And I do that by trail camera data and by digital maps. Okay. So, and, and historical information that is just kept in my brain. Right. So that kind of, that kind of is the, the locating part of how I, uh, approach hunting and and where I should hunt and how I should hunt at access routes. Again, you hear me talk about access routes all the time. These are two, uh, you know, these are two products that allow me to make those decisions, excuse me, allow me to make those decisions, access routes and uh, tree stand locations. So there's that. Now we're on the move, right? We've decided where we're going to hunt. Now we have to uh, go ahead and talk about the, the products that I use, you know, let's just say specifically for access routes and tree stand locations. So we'll break it down into access routes and tree stand locations at this point. I know what you're thinking, and that is scent free. Oh man, we got to be as scent free as, as possible. Man, I don't wash my clothes. I don't uh, take showers between every hunt. Um, I take my hunting gear and I put them into an Ozonics dry wash bag. I run a 30 minute cycle um, after I get out of the woods. I run another cycle as I'm getting dressed uh, with my clothes, and then I go out into the uh, I go out into the woods. I put my Uh, Ozonics in my backpack I crack the top of the backpack open so it can breathe and then I will actually turn my Ozonics on as I'm accessing the um accessing the tree stand right in hopes that the Ozonics is distorting my scent profile into whether whether it distorts it into something like uh uh making it smell like I'm at a further distance than what I really am or or even using it as a overwhelming of the, like they don't smell me, but they smell the Ozonics and they're like, well, what, what's that? Oh, it's not a threat, so I don't need to be afraid of it. On top of that, then I uh, am spraying Nose Jammer. Like I know a lot of people will look at this and go, well, for someone who says they're hardcore about it, you know, you would think that the access route is uh, is not as important if you're spraying this. You know, sent free being sent free, isn't as important? Well, uh, I am going off of what I have experienced over the last however many years, I man. I think I've been using Nose Jammer since it came out, and uh, <sighs> Nose Jammer mixed with Ozonics in my opinion, and this is only my opinion, is deadly as far as access. It allows me to still live and die by great access routes, but sometimes those great access routes are, uh, how do I put this? They are aggressive. And sometimes, uh, like I did with my recent Iowa buck, the the access route is actually going to blow scent into the timber um, I had the option of having a deer potentially see me versus having a deer smell me at a long distance. So I had my Ozonics running. I sprayed my boots, my hat, my quiver, uh, my bow case, my bow holder, uh, all in nose jammer. I, I use it very liberal. And then uh, I took a huge loop out around into a horse pasture and then angled back into the uh, angled back into the the, uh, the tree stand. And I made it in there without anything, uh, I mean, I I guess I don't know because I can't see the whole timber at one time, but I shot a great buck that night who potentially came from that direction. So as far as my access routes and scent control, those two things are, and I just, I I have nothing but positive experiences with those things. There are times uh, where if a deer smells me, uh, and whether I have an Ozonics or nose jammer or not, uh, th- if they really want to bust me and find me, they're going to do it. Right. But a majority of the time, especially during the rut, the deer just aren't like stopping and they're so freaked out unless they've already been spooked or jumped that I, I can get away with having them smell something. They'll put their nose up. They're like, "Huh." well, it's not a threat because it's, you know, it it doesn't smell like a, a a nose full of human at 20 yards. So, so as far as Ozonics is concerned outside of the timber, it has a huge application. And I, I attribute that to access routes because um, the clothes are clean on the ground and, your, the scent of you and the scent of your clothes are more important on the access route walking in than it is while you're actually in the tree because then you can actually start to play the wind with that said there's an asterisk on that statement because then i throw the ozonics in the tree with me and turn it on here's here's what i'm going to say about uh using ozone and using ozonics um borrow one from a buddy. Maybe you're debating on buying one. Uh, maybe you are curious about how ozone works. Go to Ozonix's website and really like read into it. read about how it works. And even don't go to Ozonix's Ozonics website. Go do your research on how O3 works. And I'm telling you right now, I have had so many positive encounters with deer on aggressive winds where they may have smelled me on an angled wind when they're coming, you know, one of those scenarios where uh, maybe it's swirling a little bit or maybe uh, the deer's coming down a ridge and my scent is blowing just underneath of them and they they catch something on a little wind shift, but instead of freaking out, they just go, "Eh, well, I'm going to... I'm still going to go this same way or I'm going to walk up a little bit uh, or even on a downwind, a straight downwind, a, a doe shows up and instead of blowing and letting the whole timber know that you're there, she may get a little curious, walk up, you you know, obviously you got to stay still and then she works her way off, but they are not blowing the whole timber up and that can save you a hunt, right? So a uh, huge fan of Ozonics in, in that way, huge fan of nose jammer for the access route and then... <laughs> You know, and then we got, let me look at my, um, so hunt stand, obviously, allows me to look at a map, look at topo lines. Um, that's that's the Iowa version of it. Now, the South Dakota version of it, where I had little to no experience with, with this ground, it's great to have something in your pocket to pull up and say, okay, here's the boundaries. Here's the walk-in ground. Here's the public, you know, here's the state ground. Here's the, the federal forest, um, all that stuff. It is just so much information in the palm of your hand and for the price of that, it's a no brainer, right? You just pick it up, you look at it and go, Hey, I need to go over to this next ridge. And then again, maybe the first year you strike out or the second year, like I did two years in a row, you strike out, but now you have all these data points. I saw deer here, saw deer here, saw deer here, and, uh, you can start. Weeding out other places and going to these high, high concentrated areas of deer movement. And you start putting the pieces of the the puzzle together and you use those pieces of the puzzle every single time, every single year, you mark deer, mark deer, mark deer, mark deer. And then it's just, it cuts the time in half for you to have to go locate them because historically they're going to be in the same spots, right? So uh, that's how I use, that's how I use hunt stand now. The next, the next one is kind of a it's something that you guys have heard me talk about. I am not the guy who goes and mods out uh, his tree stands with a whole bunch of tricks and and puts uh, uh, you know extra steps on them and uh, puts uh, you know a ton of you know rope on them and like all just just tricks it out. Here's what I do on my Lone Wolf sticks. I put a little bit of a hockey tape on them on my stand. I put a little bit of hockey tape on it and that's it, man. I'm not, I'm not tricking my stand out. You know, I don't, for me, I guess I'm not trying to set up a tree stand 50 feet from a deer. So as far as being quiet is concerned, we have to remember that deer's hearing, a deer's hearing is good, but it is not like ultrasonic where they can hear, you know, a clink, maybe a small clink at a hundred yards, right? They, they can't hear that stuff. So yes, if you're real aggressive and you're trying to get in a bedding area and you don't want anything to spook and yeah, you know, that precaution may work for you again, for me, I'm just not a fan of that. The it's already designed so quietly. And I guess I'm not throwing, I'm not trying to rush. So I'm not trying to, Wrap something up quick and set it up quick. I'm, I'm taking my time. I get to the bottom of the tree, throw that first stick on, make sure it's good and tight, go up to the next and, and just do that. And over time, you learn on what to do and what not to do. And yes, accidents happen and you'll clink a, a buckle on a, a stick and it'll clinking, it'll clank but I've never, I've never had it clink so loud that it just like a shotgun went off and it blew everything out of whatever area I'm trying to hunt. So I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not a mod guy. So the mobility of all this, right. My, my, my mobile mindset just, and I'm not, I'm not going to do saddles. There's just, I have something personal, uh, I have a couple things when it comes to saddle hunting that I just can't get over quite yet. Uh, to be honest with you, I think my knees, uh, just might not be able to take it. Of course, I've never, I've sat in a saddle before, but I've never actually hunted out of one. So it's a completely, uh, factless statement, right? I, so I don't, I don't know, but I am so good with uh four sticks and a lone wolf assault that i can go in any tree i can get comfortable i can set up uh really uh quickly and quietly and i can tear down quickly and quietly um and it's just something that over the over 15 years i mean i think i picked up my first 2005 i think i had a lone wolf even before i got my finger cut off and i got my finger cut off in 2005 so I've been using it for that long. I'm just comfortable with it now. Is it, it, it's heavier than a saddle, but it's not so heavy that like one thing that I don't understand from a strategy standpoint is these guys who are like, oh man, like all that weight. Well, Jesus, man, it's not like, it's not like you're packing an elk out of the woods or packing the elk like hundreds of pounds into the timber every single hunt. Yeah. You're adding, you're adding weight, but I guess, uh, that amount of weight doesn't bother me. I'm, I, I've been used to it over the years. I'm in fairly good shape. I don't, I don't feel like, um, how, you know, whatever that is, is just so inconvenient. That's not how, that's not how I look at it. Then once I get into the tree, right, what's awesome about lone wolf is the ability to Level your stand, level your seat, and not only level it frontwards, backwards, but level it side to side so that, um, once you get into the, this gnarly tree, that's in the right spot, I can be comfortable, right? I can set it up. I can set it up on, uh, the back end of a tree so that if the deer movement comes from one direction, I can, uh, I can hide behind that tree and maybe get away with a little bit more movement. That's one thing I've learned over the years. And so, for me, it's just, it's just a product that I feel very comfortable with. And the other thing, like, there's so many tree stands out there where maybe not the whole tree has to be, the whole tree has to be, uh, uh, straight, but just a portion of it has to be straight. And with lone wolf, it doesn't have to be straight at all. Like you can, you can adjust it, uh, in, in the timber and, um, man, like I just don't understand companies that don't haven't made any adjustments to like their tree stands to operate or, or an accessory to where, Hey man, trees are, just aren't straight. Unless you're hunting some kind of pine plantation, uh, trees are not straight all the time. And there's a lot of times where, uh, I need to be in the right position in the right location of like, uh on other podcasts we've talked about having a spot the spot within the spot, right you're on the right ridge but now where on this ridge do you do you want to be and Lone wolf allows me to to get into that so um you know so there's that. So Lone wolf um man just a huge fan of that company so I got wasp vortex, day six and Botech yeah all right so i'm gonna jump to Botech and the first ever bow that i uh bought with my own money <laughs> i i bought it with what i call finger money so when i got my finger cut off i got uh i got uh some money from the insurance company and i went to uh um a shield store here in iowa and i bought a bow i bought arrows and it was a bowtech tribute that was the very first bow i ever bought with um well, I bought another one with my own money, but it was like for 50 bucks at a garage sale or something like that. But, you know, all the accessories that went uh, went into it. And so I have a uh, uh I got a Bowtech uh solution this year. I shot a ton of bows before the season started, and so I decided on a Bowtech Tribute and i know we can sit here and have the debate of oh man any bow can kill a uh, a deer you're right but not for for on an individual basis not every bow will make a person feel comfortable and this bowtech solution really made me feel comfortable not only comfortable but after the fact that i took it into the shop i spent m- multiple hours with a bowtech twisting strings getting the cams fire uh to fire at the same time uh i got a new um you guys have heard me talk about a uh, uh a ripcord arrow rest uh i went in a different direction this year and i went with a limb driven uh, a limb driven vapor trail and uh that worked like i'm still a huge fan of ripcord i still love ripcord arrow rest but I just wanted to try something different this year. And uh, I went with a, uh, a limb-driven vapor trail uh, with that. And then I went with a, on my site is a, it's a React. What is it? It's a, a Trophy Ridge React 5. It was an older site that I had. And it was just kind of sitting in a, in a pile. And I put it back on and it works great. But there's something about just taking a bow out of the box and shooting it and then getting it tuned properly and then shooting it. It's night and day. And not only that, but it's extremely fun when your bow is making that noise and it's not like a clinker clank or it's loud. It's, you know it's tuned properly because it's, uh, and as we all know, if a, if a bow is loud, it means it's inefficient. There's something going on with it where the distribution of the arrow, the energy through that bow is, um, is not efficient. So when you have it properly tuned, you know, you get it, uh, not only do you get the cams firing at the same time, but you get the rest and the sight in line and you paper tune it. And like I, I did all these things. And my bow was firing darts, like silent darts. And uh, man, that, it just makes a guy feel confident. And so uh, the Bowtech, man, just worked great. Now, now we, we've talked on this podcast before, you're tuning your bow to your arrows, right? And so not only do I like the owner of this company, who's just a slayer, like he has that, he has that mentality of no frills, my arrows are the shit. I'm not going to give discount codes out. I'm not like I make the best arrow on the market and uh and I think he's right, right? Um so Day 6 arrows, right? I think it's uh Day 6. I can't uh I can't remember the website at this point, but Day 6 uh Day 6 gear, I think it's called Day 6 arrows, man. I'm shooting the second heaviest arrow that they make. I think my total arrow weight was 520 grains and that included my wasp broadhead on there so these arrows it's like i'm i'm shooting a baseball bat at a deer with uh, a broadhead on it they're they're heavy they're durable they are the most uh, tolerant uh I, i'm pretty sure they're the most tolerant on the market at this point uh, so they're solid and uh it's just another brand that after i moved over to them I felt confident. So now I have this bow that uh, is tuned properly. I'm, it's shooting arrows that I know are consistent. And on the tip of these arrows, I'm, I'm, having a, I'm shooting a broadhead that I've killed more deer with than any other broadheads combined. Um, I've been shooting uh, Wasp jackhammers since 2006, and uh, I've, I've stepped away from, from them a couple times. I've, you know, I've shot, I'm, I'm trying to think of other brands that I've shot. I've shot uh, NAP and I've shot Slick Trick. Uh, I'm pretty sure those are the only two uh, other brands that I've shot in this however many years since 2006. Uh, and I've been, I keep going back to Wasp. And there's something about a wasp, man, that is just, I I love the brand, but I love the people too. And I know that it's a a made in American company, so that has a little bit to do with it as well. But these jackhammers, man, when you shoot a deer and, and, and here's the argument again, oh man, if you shoot a deer in the right spot, it's going to die. You're right. It will. But there's something about the broadhead debate that is just like the Chevy Ford Dodge debate. And I am a huge fan of my wasps. And, uh, they destroy And this year that, uh, that heavy arrow coming out of a fast bow. I had some power behind my arrow, uh, this year. And the first thing that hits the deer is the broadhead. And I, <laughs> so not only did I cut it went the deer's windpipe, but, and I mean, in half, I cut the windpipe, but my arrow, my broadhead went, there's a area where the heart connects with the lungs there's like all this tissue and vessels and and uh like veins and whatever and my arrow went right into that spot my deer took two hops and fell over dead and when I was cleaning the gut uh when I was gutting the deer the heart just kind of rolled out on its own like I disconnected the heart from the rest of the body I didn't hit the heart but I disconnected it from the rest of the uh, circulatory system, I guess you'd say. And, uh, and it's one of those things where as a hunter who has, um, who has had his fair share of off shots, and I'm going to get into one of those next, it's good to see that the damage that this did allowed this animal to die ethically and very quickly. And so it didn't even know what the hell was going on before it was, you know, it was already dead now we have another scenario and this is another reason why i uh, i like wasp we all pray for that quick fast ethical kill but as we all know there are times when this ethical kill just does not happen right we we're off the deer moves we have all these uh uh variables that can happen and uh sometimes shit happens and we we don't have the clean ethical kill that we we want So I will say this, I I took a a hard quartering shot in South Dakota on this whitetail. I hit a little further back than I wanted. So I hit, uh, I nicked a liver, got guts and then a whole bunch of veins. So the damage that this broadhead did specifically the jackhammers, uh, it was a pass through. It did a ton of damage and paired with the bow paired with the, uh, paired with the bow and paired with the uh, arrow and the, the broadhead, I delivered a package that just went through the whole deer and it bled a lot. And finally I caught up to it and it was dead. So I had to track it for a little while, you know, way longer than what I did with my Iowa, my Iowa buck. But it did a lot of damage, and that's what I want. I want damage. I want. I, I want to try to have two, egg, you know, a pass through. I want to try. I want to try to have those things. Uh, and so the the off shot that I had on this on this uh, South Dakota whitetail, it worked, and I got the deer, and he's in my freezer, and uh, the head is currently getting euro mounted at a taxidermist. So that's all you can ask for, just to do a lot of damage, so that hopefully. You can catch up to it and finish it off if you need to, or, you know, let it set for a while and then let it die. That stuff happens. That's why I like shooting wasp because there's a ton of damage with that three blade jackhammer. Okay. So let's see. We've talked about one, two, three, four. We've talked about all of them except vortex and I'll I'll keep vortex kind of short here because um, I, I like to glass. Uh, and obviously in Nebraska and South Dakota uh, this year, it's, it's mandatory to glass. I mean, it's necessary because in South Dakota and in Nebraska, I could not shoot mule deer doe. I could only shoot mule deer buck. And that was any deer with a six inch spike or, or over. That was a legal deer. So with all that said, I had, uh um, I needed my binoculars and my spotting scope to identify if they were in fact does or if they were spike bucks and I could go chase them or, cause I, I went into those hunts with any legal deer in mind, right? I could shoot a white tail doe, but man, you know, I got white tail does here in Iowa. I figured, Hey, I want to try to shoot a mule deer. I ended up coming away with a, uh, a white tail out of South Dakota, but I will say this. I am uh, very happy with the, uh, the, the Vortex optics, the, the range fi- or the rangefinder that I use. I think that's the Ranger 1000. And then I have the spotting scope and then I have the, uh, cross, I think it's crossfire. I think they're the crossfire binos. I've had them for eight years, uh, if not longer. And I've taken advantage of their VIP warranty a couple of times where, you know, if you break it or whatever, you can send it in, they fix it for free and they send it back to you. Um, and it's just a brand that I love the guys who work there and, uh, the, the optic itself allows me to do what I need to do. Right. So of all the things here that I've talked about today, if you are thinking about that product while you're actively hunting, something's wrong with it. It's gotta be something wrong. If I am thinking about my lone wolf tree stand as i'm setting it up i know that something's wrong with it right oh god it's squeaky or it's making noise or man why is my why are my binoculars not working right or or why is uh why is my uh my arrow f- like peeling off to one direction or the other if you're thinking about that all these things there's something wrong with the product that you're using right so the good thing about everything i've just mentioned today is as i'm going into my hunting strategy I'm actually not thinking about these products at all. I'm thinking about the strategy that I need to put in place in order to get an animal on the ground. now, for example, a boots is a boot is a perfect example right if you if your boots are making your feet hurt, well, something's wrong with your boots you need to you, you didn't break them in or you need a different kind of boot or or whatever uh, and so that product isn't working for you at that time so that's kind of how I do it. Um, kind of an awkward end here, but that's the end of the, <laughs> that's the, end of the podcast. Uh, again, I, I always tell people, you know, what works best for you? A lot of people say, hey, Dana, uh, what, sh- what broadhead should I use? I'm like, what broadhead do you like? What broadhead have you tested? I guess if you, don't, uh, if you don't, if you're kind of stuck at a dead end, I've mentioned one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine products that I, I would recommend but they may not work for you. They may not feel comfortable for you. I I, w- I definitely recommend all these products that I, I have talked about today. But again, we all have to do our due diligence and find the products that work for us and put us into the uh comfortable confident and success category right and sometimes it takes years to cycle through sometimes a new product comes out you want to test it and that'll say hey man i love this product more or i'm gonna go back into something that i uh that i've been using for a long time that that's that's kind of a, a wasp example for me so i know right now is not the time to go out and uh Change a whole bunch of things. I know now's not the time, so uh, make sure you're comfortable, confident with the uh, the products that you have. Get out there, go kill something. Let me know about it. I, I want to share it on all my platforms. Thank you guys for tuning in uh, today. Hopefully, you're listening to this uh, either on a noon break or on the way to a tree stand or on the way back from a hunt. Uh, good luck. Please be safe most important product that i didn't talk about today was your safety harness make sure you're wearing that make sure you subscribe to the uh, nine finger chronicles the hunting gear podcast and all of the uh podcasts coming out of the sportsman's nation and uh, be safe and have fun